Hi, I'm Rick Steves. In many ways, the wonders of France and French culture are best explored slowly. One way to be sure to do that is to tour France by canal boat. In the country so famous for its TGV bullet trains, this more popular than ever mode of travel has two speeds, slow and stop. For more and more people, exploring rural France via its old industrial canal system takes all the stress out of travel. And it's no more expensive than renting a car and staying in cheap hotels. Imagine a vacation where you just lounge around for a week or two away from the crowds and let the sights come to you. Today on Travel with Rick Steves, we'll investigate the best ways of doing just that. A great thing about barging is the people you'll meet. In fact, a great thing about any kind of travel is the people you meet. We'll hear your travel stories about friends made on the road and explore canal barging in France coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. Once you've climbed the Eiffel Tower and checked out the Mona Lisa, you might want to escape from the big city bustle and find a more intimate way to savor French culture. I'm Rick Steves, and our focus today, one of France's classic ways of enjoying a little time off, barging along the country's idyllic canals. Bill Higgs is an Englishman who decided years ago that skippering a barge in rural France was the career for him. So he moved to Burgundy and now runs a successful barging tour company. Bill joins us in a bit to take your calls and share the delights of the barging scene, gliding through the rural wonders of Burgundy, enjoying French cuisine village style, and connecting with France's barge culture. Let's start the hour on a related topic. Tell us your stories about how the kindness of strangers has made a difference in your travels. We're at 877-333-7425, and you can participate anytime on our message board in the radio section at ricksteves.com. Thomas Cook in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Hi, Thomas. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. Uh, before we get into your story, Thomas, i got to ask you, are you like the Thomas Cook for travelers? No, wouldn't <laughs> that be a wonderful thing? Yeah, are you related, or what's the story? No, it's a complete coincidence. Although, uh, the first time I went to Amsterdam, I was sick and tired, and you walk out of uh, Central Station there, and the first thing you see is the giant Thomas Cook sign. Yeah, I think that's that would be like uh, bigger, than, bigger than Arthur Fromer. Yeah, Thomas they didn't give Cook. me any money there, but... There's a limit to how far your your uh, coincidental name will go. Tell us a story, exactly. Thomas, about heroic kindness. Uh, well, my wife and I were traveling in uh, in England with her relatives, uh, visiting them, and they decided we should take the channel and go to Paris for a couple of days, so we did that. We parked on a street where we thought it was a good idea, and this uh, little old Frenchman is waving his arms at us kind of angrily, and he's he's right out of central casting. You know, he's got the little tweedy jacket on and a, a beret and a bit of a gin blossom on his nose. He's of a certain age. And uh, at first we thought he was angry, but it turns out we had just parked in the wrong place. And his concern was that our car was going to get uh, towed away. This was um, before 9-11, but even then in, in France, they were very concerned. You're not allowed to park on the uh, train overpasses. Right. They're concerned that, you know, your, your uh, car will be full of explosives and, and sure. it, it'd be something like that. So this guy, he could have just walked away, but he, he went out of his way to help us, and then he gave us directions to a place we could park and a place we could eat and oh, it's so wonderful to have you here, and, and uh, the whole nine yards, which goes against all the uh, terrible stereotypes of Frenchmen. Oh, yeah. But it's a story I've been able to tell a hundred times about. Well, you know, 
the first time I went to Paris. This is the experience I had with the sure. Frenchman. And, it, and originally you thought he was angry at you by his gestures? Yeah, he was gesturing and kind of shouting, and I, didn't, I don't have any French, yeah. uh, so I didn't know. I think but, a lot um, of times people think people are, are responding negatively to them, and it's actually a, sort of a, just a quirk of the local, how they use their hands and so on. And Especially if you have that seed planted in your head. You expect, to, you know, yeah. you've been sort of taught. You know it's a stereotype, but you have that thought in the back of your head that, oh, no, here comes this Frenchman sure. who's going to be rude to me because I'm an American. But it turns out part of the reason he stopped is he heard us speaking English. Yeah. And so he knew we didn't know. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's something that, uh, you know, it is a touristy area. Mm-hmm. And like you say, in the touristy areas, sometimes people aren't as kind. As in rural a areas. lot of Americans, they're in, they're in Paris, and it's the middle of the summer, and anybody who can afford it will right. get out of there. And you've got the poor Parisians who are stuck there in the summer with all the Americans coming in and butchering their language and putting ketchup on their meat and, <laughs> and coming into the metro with a, with a $50 bill and wanting to buy a ticket worth $1, and right. they don't have change, and, and there's no language. And it's just a, it's a bad scene, and uh, you can't judge French that way, that's for sure. I think for 20 years, I was taking my tour groups from Switzerland into France, and my personal challenge was to prepare my American travelers in Switzerland before we crossed the border to better understand French culture and to realize it's not quite the slap on the back, happy face culture. You know, only in America do you find shopping bags at the grocery store that say, uh, smile and be a winner, and where tellers yeah, at I banks think, are fine if they don't say, have a happy day. Well, I think in France and in Germany as well, they, they consider you mildly dim if you go around smiling and having a nice day all the time. Exactly. That, that's I mean, something only the village idiot does. Exactly. There's a sincerity in, in, in the straightness in, in Europe, and a lot of Americans measure people by, they're not that friendly or they're not that nice. Well, there's a sincerity, there's a realness. You need to understand that, and then, like you said, you will uh, not have a predisposition to find people unfriendly. Exactly so. All right. That's my story of the, the friendly little Frenchman who saved our car. That's a great story. Thomas Cook from Ohio. Thanks a lot. Real pleasure, Rick. Thank you. You bet. Carmen in Chicago has given us a call. Hi, Carmen. Hello. Thanks for your call. Yes, thank you. Can you nice tell to us meet a, you. Yeah, thanks. Can you tell us a little story about some kindness you've encountered? My call is from Chicago. Um, originally, I'm from Peru. And you were talking about that uh, people usually don't meet Americans. Uh, in my case, they don't usually meet Peruvians uh, around the world. Oh, so yeah. when I go around to places, that's something that is a novelty. But my story is uh, happening in Israel 29 years ago. I had just arrived in the airport in Tel Aviv, and I had a huge suitcase because I had left uh, Australia to travel around the world for five years. So the suitcase was big and heavy. I got out of the airport to the sidewalk to take a bus so I could get to my destination, which was a kibbutz. And when the bus came, I could not lift the suitcase. It was too heavy. So there was a woman nearby who was short, smiley, and may have been Yemenite. She was shorter than me. But she came and she could not, you know, speak English and I could not speak her language. So she was waving her arms and trying to tell me something. Finally, she got somebody, a big, tall guy, and she talked to him. And she communicated with him for me to be helped by him. So this guy came and picked up my suitcase and put it in the bus. That, that way I could get to the keyboard because I could not manage on my own, and I thought that 
I still remember that face, this woman who was so friendly and so helpful. Without her, I don't think I could have, you know, pick up my suitcase by myself. I think that that's uh, one of many, many examples I have of people who just offer their help. And I think I also have the attitude that when I travel, I treat people the way I like to be treated, and I get the same in response. The golden rule. It works for travel, doesn't it? Yeah. So this is very beautiful. 29 years ago, a, Peruvi- yeah, exactly. a Peruvian woman with a yes. too big a bag, f- so far away from home, meets, <laughs> meets a woman from Yemen who finds an Israeli man to help you carry your bag. Uh-huh. And you still remember it, and now you're sharing it on the radio in the United States. Yes. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. And I still have her face with me. After so many years, you know, it's like I have her face, the clothes she wore, uh, the cover she had on her head. Everything, and it, I think it's like uh, it has been with me all all these years, and it's like uh, something I will never forget. It's, you know, kind of from strangers. It's something that is just a human thing. Once you are in need, whether you ask for help or not, somebody comes and rescues you. And it's gracious to accept that hospitality yeah. and that friendliness. Yeah, and it's, it's so beautiful. That is because, beautiful. Yeah, because you see that the humanity coming across, and you don't uh, see the barriers of uh, language or any other things. It's just people helping people. Something we can remember today, I think. Yeah, we should more often. Yeah. Every day. Carmen, from yes. Peru, living in Chicago, thanks for sharing that beautiful story. And I bet you're uh, the woman from Yemen, the Yemeni friend of yours, I bet she remembers you also. I hope so. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Carmen. Nice meeting you, and I always uh, watch your program. Thanks very much. And I would like for you to, to travel to Peru and do a report on Peru. Oh, I'd love to. You stay tuned. We'll do that someday. You would love it. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Pamela in Birmingham, Michigan. Hi, Pamela. Hi, Rick. Thanks for your call. I have a Parisian story. Uh, my husband and I were in Paris last fall, and uh, we had a few days there, and we had been to Versailles for the day, and we're coming back and very tired, climbing up the stairs from the metro, and I had pulled my coin purse out from my money belt, and unknowingly, at some point, I dropped it, walking off the metro, and it had in it my debit card, mm. uh, charge card, money, my ID, um, but we went on to have a wonderful romantic French dinner and went back to the hotel, and at the front desk, there was a phone call for us. We were to call um, this person, which we did. It was a, a French couple, and apparently what had happened is that the man coming home from work had spied my coin purse on the steps, picked it up, took it home, showed it to his wife, She spoke a little English, and they found that I also had a card inside the coin purse that had the phone number of our house there. So um, they decided to call Detroit, and they called our house sitter in Detroit and found out the hotel we were at. Then they called the hotel, and when we got back, they... um, you know, they said that they had the coin purse, and uh, everything was in it, and we were... We were so relieved. Luckily, we hadn't even realized that it was lost, but we realized how blessed we were. And my husband then walked over to their apartment, about a a 30-minute walk, and sat with them for a few minutes, and um, it it was a wonderful experience. I'm touched. That is really heroic. 
Yes, it was. And, and the, the saddest thing for me is that then we thought we had their address, and I sent them a thank you note. I don't know if they received it, but when we got home, we sent them a little gift, and it, it was returned oh. by um, address unknown. So yeah. I feel like we didn't have the address quite right. Right. And I have this sense of a debt that I can't... I, I, I hope that they... No. know how much we appreciated that. Don't think of it as a debt. Just pass it on. I think that's the, the idea. Yes. That's a great thing. Lovely. Thank you very much for sharing that story. You're welcome. I'm really touched. That is a beautiful thing, Making a, doing the spy work to figure out where, where you were living in Paris, calling back to Detroit, yes. getting the number, and then getting it over to the hotel. That is beautiful. Yes. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you. you Bye-bye. Bye now. We all need more kindness in this world. We all need more kindness in this world You may look high and low But there's no place else to go We all need more kindness in this world 877-333-RICK That's our phone number And radio at ricksteves.com That's our email address Next up, we're slowing down to smell the cheese As we barge romantically along the canals of France it's an up-close look at one of the most intimate and relaxing ways to explore the French countryside. Come along on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines, with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. Today we're going to slow it down. We're going to do it right. Barging in France. Can you imagine that for a holiday? You've got your barge. It's your own floating hotel. It's got a deck. It's got a slow-moving view. You might have a bicycle on the deck. you got your favorite travel partner. Weather's good. Bakery in the next village. Fresh baguettes in the bakery in the next village. And uh, you're the captain. We're going to dream about barging right now. We're going to talk with a man who makes his living as a barge captain. We have Bill Higgs joining us in the studio, and Bill is an Englishman who uh, lives in Burgundy, and he runs a barge company. Bill, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Now, your description there is absolutely right. Two or three days is about the minimum uh, time to relax on a barge, and if you can't relax in two or three days, you certainly will by the end of the week because it is... I suppose, a form of a phrase that has been coined forced relaxation. And it's just what you said. It really is. You must get a few clients that can't really slow their motor down and you kind of have to remind them, hey, this is not a year rail pass. 
That's true. That's absolutely true. But day three, they will always get there. <laughs> they always get there. <laughs> they and, always get there. And I, I guess it's probably not even worth the trouble if you're not going to spend long enough to really get your, your pulse down and get into the rhythm of this. Yeah, that's right. But a nice glass of wine, great scenery. You can't help but slow down. It sort of fits the French culture, the terroir almost. It, it does indeed. And, um, and of course, you're seeing a lot of France from the other side. You're going down these canals looking into people's gardens, their houses, from the other side from where the roads are. You know, I love that. I was just, it's kind of a little bit related, I was on a canoe in Mm. the Netherlands on a little canoe tour. And we were canoeing through the canals or whatever they would be, a little, it felt like a lagoon in a a residential area. And we were looking in people's backyards, through their back doors, through the lace. It was very intimate. Absolutely. And we should be fair, and we should mention the Netherlands because that is a popular cruising area. As well, Can, let's talk in general here. Yeah. Uh, I'm with Bill Higgs, and he he runs a barging company in Burgundy, in France. But there's barging all well, not all over Europe. But where are the barging uh, destinations well, for vacation bargers? Yeah, I suppose France is the biggest one, but uh, Holland is certainly popular, especially at tulip time. The Thames in England is popular. There's some going on in Scotland, and of course in Ireland on the Shannon as well. So those would be your main spots. Otherwise, you're talking of the bigger boats on the rivers in Europe. But yeah, uh, like the Ryan Cruise or yeah. something like this. That's a whole different kind That's of... That's a different uh, game. Yeah. In fact, a barge is a specific size of vessel. It's 38 meters. That's 128 feet to you. Some are a little bit... Uh, Shorter than that. that but that's right? a standard size. And I suppose a standard width because you have these mm. industrial canals and you've got to be able to pass each other. That's right. And the width, of course, is dictated not so much by you have to pass each other, but you've got to fit in the locks. Ah, the locks. The locks. And you just have an inch or two on each side of the barge when you go in. So um, you, we can't make – we'd love to – I know all you guys out there want us to keep making the barges bigger and the cabins bigger. We can't do it. We're uh-huh. restricted by the locks. So please don't listen to the cruise industry on the high seas and follow their advice yeah. for bigger cabins because we can only do it up to a point. <laughs> you want bigger cabin, go on a cruise ship. That's in a right. barge, it's a little more uh, Much more intimate. Yeah. Intimate. That's a good yeah. word. I was yeah. thinking there's a lot of canals in the Netherlands, and the funny thing is – most of them are above the level of the land because yeah. they're built up with dikes on either side. Yeah. Ironically, you could be slouched back with your, in the Netherlands, I guess it'd be a beer, and you, you'd look out and you'd only see sky because you're above the land. Yeah. Uh, in England, you've got wonderful countryside. In yeah. Bath, I went yeah. out walking outside of Bath and I saw there was a camaraderie among, among the bargers. Stratford is a great barge. That, head, that's very nice there on the Avon. And, and, and Bath also, you've hit on two beautiful water locations. We have the Kennet and Avon Canal from Bath that links to London. Uh, People often ask me, why are these canals there? Well, they were there to link the rivers. Usually if you take a canal, you'll find a river at either end of it. So the river, I guess you could navigate up to Stratford and then you'd have to change into the man-made waterway. Exactly, yeah. And we've got to remember, this is mostly, uh, is it 19th century industry? Most of them are at least 200 years old, a bit older in England and, and a bit smaller as a result of that. The locks are smaller. And there was a time when that was the economic and safe way to get your uh, coal to the factories Absolutely. or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. And, that, uh, was, uh, that was how the stone, the grain, the coal, woods were being carried until Mr. Railway came along and of course that changed it all. In fact, there's one very amusing part when the rivalry started between the railways and the canals. There was a railway company in the southwest of England that actually bought up one of the canals and um, had to wait a few years before it could run it into the ground. And there's an amusing old picture of a train going along the the canal bed where they put the track with a barge cruising right beside it because of course the barges in England were only about three feet deep. So you have this picture of a barge 
in the water with a train in the water as well. They literally drained the canals to lay the tracks? Uh, yeah. So that yeah. was the, just head on head. It's trains against yeah. canals. Yeah. yeah. So when that, the, when that the trains sort of bought out the canals, epitomizes it. Yeah, triumphantly, exactly. they drained the canal and yeah. they used that land to lay a track. They did at that point. But L- that's not general. That was no, unusual. But, that was, but yeah. they were very happy to run them into the ground. But it's sure. sort of a symbolic of the competition yeah. there. Train cars on iron rails mm. is quite efficient. So. Yes. so today, you have, as a recreation industry, you can just sort of inherit these old barges. Very idyllic. And you get, almost by definition, off the beaten path, isn't it? Sleepy little villages, hamlets, lock. Isn't there a little yeah. house at the locks? And there so usually on? is a little house at the lock, which would be the lock keeper. Tell you me about the lock keeper. That. The lock keeper would probably um, have a very fine garden in his little house there. And when you come along in your boat, you're the main activity of his day, of course. So it was a very nice way of um, being in touch with uh, the locals. In the old days when there was time was really money and the freight was being carried of course the locks wouldn't have been such tranquil places you would have had fisticuffs and fights between the barges trying to get through the lock before the other guy coming in the opposite direction so it would have been right quite different get your goods into the market first that's it what kind of person today runs a lock well, usually it's a couple and... Um, sort of a uh, laid-back couple, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, one, one person will be out doing another job, bringing in some... Serious money. Serious money, yeah. And this is their avocation. <laughs> the other one's a bit more laid-back. I have some lock. very nice memories coming into the lock. If you're on the canals for a day, would you go through a couple of locks? What? Yeah, it would depend, obviously, but um, I think you could average it out about a dozen locks a day. A dozen maybe, locks a maybe day? Maybe as a, as a rule of thumb, we'd say there's a lock about every mile hmm. on the canal. Now, if, if your canal is going through an area that's very hilly, when they were building them, there were two choices. You either wind your canal around Mm -hmm. and stay on the level, and then you get a very windy canal, like some of the beautiful Canal de Midi down in the Uh southwest of France, or you go head on into the hill and you have what we call a staircase of locks. Staircase of locks. So two different methods of canal building giving two different um, Or isn't, isn't there sort of a continental divide where the, the locks kind of reach the crown of France and yeah, they actually the, tunnel tunnel through the continental divide? That's right. There's a very fine example of that at Puyonugswa in Burgundy, which uh, a famous writer nicknamed the rooftop of the world because ah. exactly that, the canals climb up either side and then they get to the point where they can't climb any further, so they tunnel through. And um, you take your barge through that tunnel. We do. Have you done it? Yeah, I've done it many times. How long many, is the tunnel? Many times. It's three point three kilometers, about two miles. Two miles. So wow. we're talking of a good hour, a little bit longer in it's the a, tunnel. It's a parallel culture. Mm. It's its own history, its own culture. Yeah. You meet people, yeah. you relax. Great way to travel. Bill, I'm a little confused with the different kinds of barging and, and what is the cost. Can you give the business to me in a nutshell? In a nutshell, there's two types of barging. A traditional barge with a catered crew, very luxurious, probably going to cost $2,000 a head per person for the week, at least that much. Or a self-drive boat, which for for that amount or less, you will have the boat for the week. So $2,000 a ballpark for the boat for four or six people to share, and they do their own groceries and do their own driving. And basically, you're renting a boat for $300 a day. Yeah. If you don't mind doing the work, it's by far the cheapest way of doing it. But if you've got the money to spend, you can't beat a barge cruise. So Yeah. I I think it's just two different kinds of a vacation. And you can have the the Mm. top end where you've got great cooks. I'm sure the food's good. You've got a captain. You've got a captain who probably functions as a guide explaining things to you as you go. 
That's learning right. more yeah. about what's happening. Or you've got the kind of uh, ship of fools where you got four guys that didn't know how to do this and they're learning and they're not going to kill themselves or hurt anybody and it's quite cheap. We actually did have a situation where on our barge we were passing another boat just like that and they were doing it on themselves and they shouted up to us and they said next year we're going to do it your way and do you know a few years later those very same people came back onto our boat on the same route. We should have planned it for a different route but it didn't work out that way but they did it both ways. I'm talking with Bill Higgs, and Bill is an Englishman who lives in Burgundy. How long have you lived in France? Uh, I've lived in France about 20 years. Doing barging most of this Yeah, time? that's what took me there. The barging took me wow. there. Wow. So if you... the barging had taken me elsewhere, I guess I'd be talking to you as though I lived somewhere else. <laughs> but, uh... So you are you're, you still got your good English accent even though you've lived in France for 20 years? I suppose so, yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, and, and barging, uh, we'll get into the economics of it and so on, but right now we've got people on the line. Our phone number, 877-333-RICK or email us anytime at radio at ricksteves.com. We have Anna on the line in St. Paul, Minnesota. Anna, thanks for your call. Thank you for taking it. Yeah, do you have a question or a comment for Bill? Yes, I was wondering how many couples, we've talked about having several couples on a barge together. How many couples are comfortable on one barge at a time? Okay, Anna, hi. Um, well, the larger barges usually carry about 20 people, which means 10 cabins, but there are many other sizes. You can go down to six as the smallest with three cabins. Um, if you can decide accurately how many you're going to be, that will help dictate which barge you're interested in so that you're not paying over the odds for cabins you're not using. I'm assuming you would like to charter it as a group together. Right. If you find that people in your group drop out, I know this sometimes happens, and your numbers start changing, you could always decide you don't mind going on one of the bigger barges, but then, of course, you'll have other people okay. with you. Was it for a special occasion or a... No, just a group of people who like to travel together. Yeah. So, but that's interesting. So, really, three staterooms is about as small as it gets. And yeah. do oftentimes two couples team up and just enjoy a barge? Very store? often, yes. That's not unusual. Like, give me a ballpark uh, idea in France what it would cost to rent a, um, a humble, small barge for somebody who's on a budget... Uh, what what would, you, would you do it by the week? Right, well, you've got slightly contradictory things there, Rick, because yeah. humble and small. The smaller barges often tend to be a bit more expensive because of the way the economics goes with the number of people. Oh, yeah. Because, you, as you know, boats are very expensive to run and, and the crewing. Um, the lower price barging where you might find a week per head at around $2,000 per person for the week, and that's not including your transport across probably from the States. Oh, but you're talking a tour here with a captain and with that's food. That's right. Ah, yeah. okay, now, so we've got another way of so looking that's $300 at it. $300 a day per person, uh, six people. Yeah. So you, Because you've got to rent the boat, you've got to rent the crew, mm -hmm. and you have your meals yes. and so on and related expenses. Yeah. So it would be very expensive for two people. Share it by six, you're okay. Uh, well, no, we're talking of a per head price there on a, a, a catered barge with a crew would start at about $2,000 a head. For per, the week, per, per week. person for the week. And I then see. it could go up easily to double that or even more, depending on the period of sure. amount of um, But what if you comfort. just want to rent one and, and run it yourself yeah. And, yeah. and picnic? Is I that mean. what you were thinking of doing, Anna, just to be... 
is it does it require a lot of expertise? No, no, that, that that's a great option. If you're uh, as my, saying, my understanding, it's like bowling with uh, when they fill in the uh, the gutters and you just throw the ball down. You can't go wrong on a barge. Yeah, pretty much. Easy? Yeah, pretty much. You can't fall out of the canal and you're not going to crash into the locks because they're going to give you a little uh, course on steering the boat. So at what the does beginning. that cost for a so small boat, small group of people? They, it's a, it's a lot cheaper and a lot more economic. And um, if you do do that, then you should rent a boat that's a bit bigger than what you need so it's more comfortable and, and for you. And by the week, what would you guess it would cost? I, I would guess you, you would probably come in compared with the figures we were talking about before. You're probably going to come in at something like a maybe a quarter or, or um, about a quarter of that, I would think. Per head? Yeah, per, per person. Head. But just tell me the boat. I just yeah. want to rent a boat with two or three staterooms for a week. Is it going to cost me $1,000 a week or what? For a boat, um, you could find a boat for $1,000. Really? For, you know, uh, see, that yeah. is very economic, and people will then stock it with their own groceries. That's right. And they'll learn to do the locks, mm -hmm. and they'll uh, mm -hmm. take turns at the steering wheel. Yeah. And it's realistic for uh, novices to figure this out without drowning. That's right, yeah, and great for kids. That's cheap. Kids can steer it. But even $200, $300 a day, that could be quite an, uh, an interesting option, no more expensive than what those people would pay for a hotel. Yeah. We're talking of um, a, a boat that you're renting yourself, not, not what we call a barge. When we talk of a barge, we're talking of a barge with a crew and it's catered. Those are I the see. bigger, heavier. If you think of a barge as a... Uh, I know you often think of it in terms of uh, running out the freight and the rubbish. Originally... That's what they would have done. It was a heavy boat. The boats that you're renting yourself are much more lightweight, built of fiberglass, and we would just call that as a, uh, I suppose you'd say, a self-drive boat. Okay, two different yeah. things. Two um, different things, two so, very different things. So yeah. just for clarity, forgive me uh, for driving this on, but um, mm -hmm. let's talk this self-drive boat. Mm -hmm. Cows, two or three staterooms, a simple boat, and two couples could share it. Ballpark, what would that cost per week to rent? Well, it depends a lot on the season. The prices do vary. But I think you would find figures starting at about $1,000 a week for the boat, for a smaller boat. You have to put your own fuel in it. You have to put sure. security deposits on it. You probably have to pay to leave your car there if that's how you got to it. Anna, do you have any more questions for Bill? Just one more. Yeah. Of the three areas of France that you mentioned as um, barging areas, what are the advantages of each of them? Okay. Um, the three areas of France, let me see. Burgundy, very rural, great wines. Alsace, terrific wines as well. Sometimes a little cooler, so you might want to watch the season there. The traditional barging season is April to November. I would keep out of those months in Alsace. Um, and down in the southwest, the midi, Great wine as well. Lovely winding, <laughs> winding, wine, winding great wine, canal. Great wine. Yeah. More winding, uh, sort of romantic kind of canals. You've in, got in more the of south. that romantic tree-lined stuff going on on the Canal de Midi. Is it? Yeah. Is there a? Is Burgundy more profoundly French? Is that fair to say? Um, the Burgundians would say it's fair to say, I suppose. Certainly but, uh, more than Alsace, because um, Alsace is yes, uh, Germanic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think, think you can say Burgundy that. would be your quintessential France. Yeah, and, and there's more barging opportunities there, simply because it is, if you like, the crossroads of the network. There are more canals and more bases. So I think for a first time, I would go for Burgundy. Anna in St. Paul, Minnesota, thanks for your call. Thank you. Good luck. I'm speaking with... Bill Higgs, and Bill is an Englishman who for 20 years has been uh, a barge captain in France. Don in Essex Junction, Vermont. Hi, Don. Thanks for calling. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet. 
Well, I was I was wondering uh, when I lived in Amsterdam, I got to see a lot of barges. Uh, so I presume that the ones you have look like that that are fixed up. That that's fairly correct. In fact, a lot of the barges that have been converted have originally been bought in or around Amsterdam, brought to France, and then made into comfortable vessels. Yep. Why is that? What are the, what's the story of barges in Amsterdam? Well, there's just a great supply of them. To be honest, I mean, years ago in France. Uh, the barges, the old barges, the, the boats before they became uh, luxury passenger boats, were actually destroyed and the owners were given money to get rid of them because they were sort of the end of the era of uh, carrying. In France? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. France just d- just chucked its barges because it didn't have an industrial function? Quite a lot of them, yeah. And then do you take, do a lot of these barges that you use today, did they originate as industrial barges that were then, use that hull and you renovate it? That's right, yes. All right. Yeah. Don, have you been barging yet? No, I haven't. I've been on them when I lived there, you know, because it seems like a a large portion of the population of the city lives on those things. Yeah, well, that's a whole different thing again, and it's a wonderful way to live. In Paris, you'll find lots of houseboats too, and they're beautiful places to live on. They can be right in the middle of town and relatively cheap. Boy, I've spent some time just looking through the windows of those fine barge homes in Amsterdam thinking they've got it figured out. Yeah, yeah. All right, Don, thanks for your call. A little cold in the winter sometimes. A little cold. Head down to the south of France. Yeah. Do you do that? Do you migrate around with your barge ever? I suppose people uh, live on their barges People sometimes. who live on their barges do that a little bit, yes. Some people do move down to the south of France. Head in south. But, you know, they get very cozy. You have a wood-burning stove on the barge, and even if it's a cold winter, it's cozy. Thanks for your call, Don. Okay, thank you. More of your calls for Bill Higgs are just ahead as we barge across France on Travel with Rick Steves. 877-333-RICK. And we welcome your comments on our online message board in the radio section at ricksteves.com. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves, and we're barging in France. I'm joined by Bill Higgs. He's an Englishman who for 20 years, more than 20 years, has been a barge captain in Burgundy. What a life, Bill. Yeah, it's not bad. It's um, I guess it's fairly addictive. It must be because you've got a lot of options and you're just staying put in Burgundy, running your barge. Our phone number eight seven seven three 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 Rick, or you can email us at radio at ricksteves dot com. Dennis in Dallas, thanks for calling. Uh, hey Rick, thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, my wife and I are uh, very avid independent travelers, and uh, I like the idea of boats. Um, but generally, it seems like when we travel, we always have this long list of sites that we want to go see. Um, for a first-timer who's thinking about doing a, um, a boat trip or a barge trip, um, you know, what, what are some of the things that uh, I might see? What are some of the advantages of, of doing it on a barge? And uh, on the other side of that, uh, what are some of the disadvantages? Right. Well, if you went on a barge, they should have a fairly good fixed program in terms of what they're going to visit, which is good in one sense because you'll know that you'll visit certain sites. Uh, on the other hand, if you went on a smaller barge, you might find a much more flexible program that could even be tailor-made if you wanted to see something specific, as long as it wasn't too far away to drive. If you decided you want to do it your own way, because you said, Dennis, you're quite independent traveller, and you want to not have a crewed barge, um, and you do a self-drive, then think of the uh, do your research and think of the option of just phoning in for taxis, cabs, to take you. Hmm. They're not very expensive. 
I would imagine in areas where barging is popular, the cabbies are are used to being telephoned, and even at the at the locks, they would tell you where who, absolutely. Who's a taxi in nearby. fact, the, the lock would be the best way to do it because you could be out in the middle of nowhere, but the lock keeper oh. knows where you are, and he'll get. And if there isn't a cab around, he'll probably find you someone who'd be delighted to drive you. Is it typical to have a bicycle on a barge where you could actually, you know, say, hold it, I want to get off with my bike, and then you could bike and actually catch up to the barge later on? Absolutely. In both types of boat that we're talking about, there would be bicycles, so you could do that, yeah, biking. Well, what are some of the drawbacks to uh, taking a barge trip? If, you know, if this was my first time on one, um, you know, what would surprise me that I wouldn't be expecting? Uh, you're talking of a crude barge trip? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, assuming you've paid the money and you're happy with that, because it isn't the cheapest way of travelling, admittedly, and your fellow passengers I think you would be happy with because it it attracts a certain type of passenger. Passengers normally get on very well. Um, Drawbacks. Are you good at relaxing? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you might find it a little funny to start with. Yeah, I, think, um, I think the drawback would be you just wouldn't see all the sights you would see if you had a car, if you really have a checklist of sights and you want to be that, aggressive in that regard. That's true. You, you must accept it is a, it's a relaxed, slower way of traveling, so you wouldn't do a big checklist of places. But against that, you would observe things like the fishermen on the side of the canal. You'd hear the bird song because you're traveling like a snail with all the things on the boat Without any noise, you're not in a car or a plane. Now, Bill Higgs, who I'm talking with, uh, has a company where he you have a barge. Your website is hotelbarge.com. That's, that's a good, correct. That's yeah. a very good website. Yeah, it's an easy one, yeah. Hotelbarge.com. <laughs> and uh, how big is your boat, Bill? Um, our boat is a six-passenger boat. It's uh, just over 100 feet long. And you are one of your uh, partners is actually the captain and goes along? Yes, I always used to be the captain. I used to be on it all the time, and my wife used to do all the cooking on there. Is that typical? You've got a small business like this and a husband and wife, a captain and a cook and a first mate and uh, sort of efficiency that way? Yeah, it is. It is quite typical. There's quite a lot of people like that. But after a while, we as the crew, we get a little barged out, and we want to live on the land as well. So my wife and I, we now live in a farmhouse on the land. I don't want to live on the canal anymore. I've seen so many canals, but to travel on the canal for a week or two, I still love it. And I always make sure I do at least a few weeks each year as the crew. When you say a crude barge, C-R-E-W-E-D, not C-R-U-D-E, a crude barge, obviously you've got a captain, you've got a cook, you've got somebody who... uh, tidies up and you're, you're kind of like it's a full service thing that's pretty much it and do you do you see yourself as a tour guide somebody who explains the flora and the fauna and a little bit about the castles also absolutely yes yeah. somebody would be doing that and most barges would have a minibus a vehicle that goes with it so uh, well, that's huge so you that, take your yeah. six people up to the castle and that's then you right. come back and you've got lunch waiting for them yeah it's yeah. a tour yeah dennis does that make sense yeah it does and, sounds uh, like fun yeah well, oh it is it's great fun what about uh, showers, toilets, that sort of thing? Yeah, that's all on there. No problem. I mean, problem. is it like a, what we'd be accustomed to in the yard? It's probably a, a tight little shower. and uh... Uh, It's not, not always. Um, on the self-drive boats, it would be much tighter, obviously. On the okay. barges, you'd have a lot more space with that, on that front. All right. Dennis, good works. luck with your trip. Thank you. Autumn in Spokane, Washington. Thanks for your call. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested in this barge traveling, and I have a couple of questions. I would like to know if um, the food is made from the local places that you stop. Does the chef get off and get the groceries at each stop? Because I think Bill just goes to Burger King, don't you? That's right, yeah. (laughs) No, no, um, uh, the chef stocks up with uh, 
food and buys locally food. We on our boat, uh, we try and buy as much as possible now organic. We don't use the big suppliers. We're slightly unusual in that respect that we go out and we go to the butcher, we go to the vegetable shop, we go to the fishmonger. And it means a lot of running around. We have to get our supplies on maybe every couple of days. And um, it's a bit of a nightmare for us because the barge is moving. It's not like a hotel. We can't just have one fixed supplier. We have to keep finding new ones. But be assured, we do it and we we seek only the best. That sounds wonderful. And then another question would be, is there like a central room that people gather other than the dining room? (laughs) <laughs> wow, you've asked my favourite question. <laughs> On our boat, yes. Okay. <laughs> we have a separate dining room, which is very unusual. Most boats have one larger room with the two incorporated, and part of it is the dining room, and part of it will be the saloon. But on our boat, yes. <laughs> Thank you for that question. I mean, I think you could make a case that it is worth paying a little extra to have a community on the barge, and you've got interesting people from around the world that you're exploring France with, and you have a community room with a library and maybe even a little stove and your communal dining, and it's sort of a nice community feeling, I would imagine. It is, and and even if it uh, rains and you're all forced in there, I mean, one man was saying to me once, what does a little rain matter? We're in here, we've got a lovely library, we've got some music, we've got company, we can play cards, chess, whatever, wait for the rain to go. Autumn, does that sound all right to you? Well, it sounds just lovely. When you pull into a little town, um, do people get off and go into the town and do a little visiting on their own and then come back? Absolutely. Or they can go in the minibus for a guided visit somewhere if it's further afield. And another time you can get on and off is every time we were talking earlier about the locks. At every lock, people can get on and off. And that is probably a good consideration as to whether or not you want a canal or a river cruise or a mix of the two, because um, on the canals there are many, many more locks, many more opportunities to get on and off during the day whilst the barge is cruising. Well, this is very helpful. Thank you. Autumn, where are you thinking of barging? I don't know. I'm just starting the adventure of planning. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, Paris is a good, uh, you'll probably be coming into France from Paris. And then if you want to get to Burgundy, the TGV now zips you right to uh, Bonne, doesn't it? Uh, d- yeah, or Dijon. Straight Dijon down. or Bonne. Yeah, and, and, then, uh, and there's Half. a number of barge companies. You could Google it. There's guidebooks. Uh, you know, get mm. on the web and uh, yeah. plenty of options that way. So good luck in your trip. Thank you very much. You bet. John in Downey, California, emailed us, and he wants to barge, but he's six feet four inches tall. Is that a is that a problem in a barge? Well, we have had quite a few very p- tall people, and um, it's never been a problem. They have to look out, of course, not to hit their head as they walk up through the steps onto the main deck. But I guess you're used to that. So I guess if you've lived your whole life six foot four, you're you're accustomed to that. Especially yeah. in Europe, when I walk around Europe in castles and so on, I just I'm I'm just always I've got my hand on top of my head to protect because there's always a, yeah. there's a low passages from short people from the Middle Ages. I certainly wouldn't say don't come because you're six foot four. No, I think great. I think you'd be fine. I'm speaking with Bill Higgs, and he's an Englishman who's lived more than 20 years in Burgundy as a barge captain, and we're talking about barging around Europe. Uh, just to review, there's two kinds of barges. Bill's company is uh, typical of most barge companies, I think. Uh, larger barges that come with a crew, a captain and a chef and a tour guide and bicycles and a minibus that takes you on excursions from the barge as you go. And we're talking about $2,000, ballpark $2,000 per week, $300 a day for a vacation that way, and that would be transportation, accommodations, guiding, 
end meal. So uh, think of it as a package, and it's a reasonable price, even though it is considered a splurge. Um, and then there is the humble backpackers barging, where you would just hire a, a boat, and it's a boat with a couple of staterooms, and that's going to run you probably $2,000 a week. Uh, and that means about $300 a day, which you'd share with four people. And that's about the same that you'd spend for a hotel. The difference here is you've got your transportation, albeit slow, and you've got your own kitchen so you can cook for the price of groceries. I summed it up there, Bill. Is that fairly accurate? That's fairly accurate. Um, uh, Just to point out, though, that your $2,000 a week, that would be on a barge, probably with about 20 people. If you want a smaller one, it's going to cost you more. Maybe three or $4,000 a week. Okay. Yeah. Now, I think a company like yours and most of them probably are competitive and pride themselves in the quality of food they're offering. We're not talking just uh, expedient food. No. The, the meals no. are really a performance. It's, it's paramount. It's very important. Um, we don't even put a budget on the chef. We let them cook whatever they want. Wow. And buy whatever they want, and we take pride in it. You can't do better. It's, it's good food. In fact, we often take people to a restaurant ashore for one meal in a week, just to sort of touch a little more of the French culture. And we know we're on a loser there. We can't win because they'll either come back and say the food was great, which they won't because ours is better, and then they'll come back and say, well, why the hell did you take us to the restaurant in the first place? There's a lot of English people, it seems like, that really are uh, so passionate about the quality of food in France. Yes, I think we've... um, It's very funny when we go back to England and we go back and why are all these people eating faster than us? we sort of grown into eating slur and really enjoying it, yeah. I've got a a number of friends in this tour guiding business who are barge captains and barge guides in Burgundy, and it's a great community. Is there camaraderie there among people in this business? There certainly is, and and the people help each other out between the different companies and crews. If there's ever a problem, we had a funny story once where we were going along on, on the river, and the VHF radio from another barge came over and said they had run out of gin, did I have a bottle of gin on board? Well, I had a very good bottle of gin, so we just pulled up beside them and tossed the bottle of gin over and waved them goodbye, and we cruised off, and a few months later, they returned the gin. It reminds me of that commercial when the guy drives up in the limo and he says, do you have some Dijon mustard? As a matter of fact, you probably do. <laughs> we certainly do, yeah. <laughs> Many Dijon times. is right where you parked your car. Yeah. We can oh. do a tasting of Dijon mustard if you like. <laughs> I bet you could. Arno on the phone from Hales Corner in Wisconsin. Hi, Arno. Hi, Rick. Hi, Bill. Hi there. We had a marvelous experience in August of last year uh, going from Auxerre to Paris. Oh, beautiful, yeah. It was a 12-passenger barge. Only six people had booked, but they still had the crew of five. It was just self-tampered. It was magnificent. That is a very, very nice run down the Yon River there going into Paris eventually on the Seine. Particularly, we wound up in uh, Paris the last night, and we dined just a bit downstream from the uh, Tour Eiffel, and then... At, uh, at nightfall, with the lights of Paris, we returned to a uh, mooring uh, in the Bastille area, but going past all the sights of Paris at night, brightly lit, was just beyond belief. Did you go up the little canal then for your last mooring? By the yes, Bastille? we did. Yeah. A tiny the, little lock under the, the canal, bridge. The Canal Saint-Martin, that is an yes. absolute gem. It's beautiful, yeah. By the way, I took a tour of that Canal St. Martin. There's uh, tour boats that do this. It's a very relaxing, sort of a stroll through the park kind of tour in Paris for those who aren't going to be barging but want a sample of this. That's and right. it gives you the finale of the barge trip across France. Yeah. And one thing that's unusual, that canal's open till 10 at night. That's not typical, of course. The canals um, well, normally... They, they close the canals. They close the locks. Yeah, they All do. Right. 
Yeah, there's no uh, no rocking and rolling in the wake of large ships passing in the middle of the night. Because no, none no. Of that in fact, I did. <laughs> it's a good point. I did spend a week on a barge just below the canal on the river there in the centre of Paris. And, uh, well, the Pope was in town, so there was quite a lot of rocking and rolling anyway. But every time the trip boats went by, uh, hmm. it was very rough. And it you probably a, remembered you're in a big city and you wished you were back in Burgundy on a sleepy yeah. canal. Although, ironically, it was quiet because we were lower than the walls of the city. So oh, it was okay. quiet, but we what were a, rocking a lot. What a wonderful finale. You've been on this all this idyllic countryside, this rural French extravaganza, and you finish under the Eiffel Tower. Mm. It's know, fantastic. Cru- cruising by the floodlit uh, Notre Dame and so on. Arno, thanks for the... Uh, Thanks for the wonderful comment. Thank you for letting us share this. You bet. Happy travels. Bye, Anna. Bye. I'm speaking with Bill Higgs, and Bill runs a, a small barge company with him and his wife. And if you want to learn more about his company, it's a very easy website, hotelbarge.com, English language in France. Bill is in Burgundy, but there's a barge company. Barging in France is very popular in Alsace. That's the part of France rubbing against Germany, and it's a good mix of cultures there. I've hopped on a barge just for a short kind of hitchhike in the Midi area, or Carcassonne, in the south of France. And boy, that's beautiful also. We have Lee on the line in Santa Cruz, California. Hi, Lee. Hi, Rick. Hi, Bill. Hi there, Lee. Um, Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to let you know that my mother and my best friend and I did a barge trip in Alsace in 2001, and it was one of the best vacations I ever took. We did the self-hire, and we got, um, you know, a bit of coaching on how to do it and how to go through the locks and stuff, and it was just wonderful. Like you said, Bill, it's very relaxing. Yep, it sure is. We just loved the fact that beforehand they supplied us a list of groceries that we could order that would be on the finchette when we arrived, and just that in itself was great fun. It was all in French, so we couldn't read what half of the stuff was, but we just thought, well, we'll get one and see what it is. (laughs) We'll have one of those. (laughs) Check every box. Yeah. Yeah, so that was part of the adventure, and it was just so nice to just quietly glide along. Uh, The locks were a little bit intimidating, but at least we didn't end up with, like, the end of the boat crushed in, like some photos they had in the uh, office. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) I can see the orientation (laughs) thing in the office. We don't want our boat to come back like this. That's right. Exactly. But we had insurance, and we did it in April. It was a little cool, but it was... It was nice because first-timers, it was good not to have crowded huh. canals. That's a good point, yes. Good, good. Hey, Lee, so, Lee you came up to these little uh, lock houses where the locks were as the canals would gain altitude. Did the people work with you? Did they know you were kind of clueless Americans that didn't speak the language and first time on a barge and so on? Well, you know, actually, when, when we were there, and I don't know if it was because it was the time of year or the part of France we were or what, But at all the locks, with the exception of one, we were by ourselves. We had to do it all ourselves. Really? Uh, Self-service lock. The one exception was the the big lock that, unfortunately, I I can't pronounce Ah, you're talking of the highlight of the canal system, the inclined plane at Artsvilla. Yeah. Right. That is, somebody on our barge once said to me, the whole trip, it was worth the money just for that experience of sliding up that inclined plane where the whole barge comes into a tank of water and goes down the hillside. It's a wonderful... Exactly. Wow. Mm-hmm. But the locks you're talking about, 
automatic locks, I think. I think they were, yep. except we had uh. to pull in, we had to tie off, and then we had to um, hang out while the water either came up or down, you know, depending on which direction we were going. Mm. Automatic, automated. Automated, yeah. Is that in Burgundy also? Uh, not much. No, because I really like the... Uh, I've had a few uh, lockhouse yeah. experiences in yeah. Burgundy, and it was really yeah. magical. Yeah. Hey, Lee, thanks for your call. You're welcome. Thank you. Happy barging in the future. Thanks. I think you're more likely to see me on a barge now than, <laughs> than an hour ago. This has been a fun conversation. Yeah. Bill Higgs, barge captain extraordinaire, headquartered in Burgundy, website, hotelbarge.com. Thank you very much for sharing a different kind of travel well, with friends. It's been my pleasure. And I look forward to getting back onto the water. Thanks a lot. Bonjour. Travel with Rick Steves is produced by Tim Tatton at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more online, including listener feedback, archived audio on demand, and podcast extras. You'll find it in the radio section of our website, ricksteves.com. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.